0: And again, good morning. My name is Pastor Jim Olson. I have the privilege of serving here as the lead pastor here at Bethel, Christian Fellowship St. Paul, and senior pastor of our family of churches. I am so grateful to be a part of a house of prayer for all nations where we exist for those who aren't yet present. See, there's a lot of people in the world who are a lot like Charlie Brown. How many of you like Charlie Brown, Peanuts? Lucy, all right, some of you know Lucy Peanuts, all right. So Lucy has set up her psychiatric booth, her psychiatric advice booth, you know, the sign, advice, five cents. And Charlie Brown comes into the scene and says, Lucy, I need help. Lucy replies, well, what can I do for you? And Charlie says, well, I'm confused. I can't seem to find a direction, a purpose for my life. So Lucy answers, oh, don't worry, Charlie Brown. It's like being on a big ocean liner making its way through the sea. Some folks position their deck chairs to face the bow of the ship, and others place their chairs to face the side of the ship, and some the back of the ship. Which way do you face, Charlie Brown? And Charlie Brown looks sad and replies, well, I can't even unfold the deck chair. So this morning, I have a word of encouragement to those of us who have problems unfolding the deck chairs, which can happen. I got these chairs from Ikea. I love Ikea. But wow, engineered in that beautiful Swedish way. You can't figure out how to quite. They just do this thing. All right, well, anyway. So immediately after Easter, we began a sermon series entitled, A New Way, The Letter to the Ephesians. And in this letter, Paul gives to us a vision of a purpose that is larger and greater than we are. He gives a picture to us in the first three chapters of that book. He gives us a glorious vision of the character of God and the purposes of God as it is released through the life of his people. And then starting in chapter 4, he kind of flips the page from who we are to what it is that then we are invited to do. And it's that that we've been focusing on and will be continuing to focus on through the remainder of this series. A couple of key scriptures that I want to remind you of, specifically on the section that we've been working through over the last few weeks, comes from Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians 4.1, he says, So I urge you, therefore, in view of all of this, he says, to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. In other words, I want you to live your life consistent with who you are. Because when you know who you are, you will know what to do. And just a few verses later, in chapter 4, verses 22 to 24, he says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to be put on, the new, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So here's the takeaway for this in terms of our new life. We are no longer to be conformed in character and conduct to our old life. Neither inside or outside are we conformed any longer to that old life. We experience conversion when we definitively and permanently put off our old life in order to put on our new life. And this is both a point of decision and a process of transformation that requires a daily deliberate reorientation and renewal of our minds. Now, in chapter 5, Paul goes on to give us even further instruction of what this new life looks like. He says, follow God's example Literally, it says, be imitators of God, mimic God. The word in the Greek is the same word out of which we get mimic. Mimic God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We, that's you, that's me, all of us, are to reproduce the family likeness of God our Father, patterning our lives according to his self-sacrificial love. Jesus reproduced that likeness perfectly and is the example for us to follow as we pattern our lives after him in our speech, our sexual ethic, our work ethic, our attitude, and our wisdom. Two weeks ago, Felix and who's back here again, one of our elders here uh, again this morning, welcome back, and shared with us a couple weeks ago about the new speech that we are called to in this new life. Last week, and if you weren't here, you can... Always get uh, these off, download them off of the uh, website or there are CDs available in the back along with the PowerPoints for all of the messages and it would encourage you to grab hold of them. Last week, we looked at a new sexual ethic. This week, our focus is going to be on a new work ethic. A new work ethic. If you have your Bible, you can turn to... Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to be looking at one verse embedded in all of what Paul's saying here. And I want to encourage you when you're reading the scriptures, sometimes we're just reading large chunks of scripture and we pass over significant passages simply because, well, they're embedded in all kinds of other things and we get kind of lost in the largeness of what's being spoken. And sometimes, We need to focus in, even to focusing in on a particular singular verse. The verse that we're going to unpack this morning has so much to say to us about our daily life and specifically in the context of our daily work. He says in Ephesians 4, 28, now get again the putting off and the putting on. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work. Doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Anyone who has been stealing, why don't we just read it together? Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. All right. So here's what I want to do. I want us to grab hold of some principles around this, specifically as we've been looking at over the last several weeks, how our old life was marked by self-indulgence, but our new life is marked by self-sacrifice. Let's unpack that. What does a new work ethic look like? Well, we're going to look at four characteristics of a new work ethic. Four characteristics of a new work ethic. As comes out of, directly coming out of this verse, as you dig into it and unpack it, you'll find these four things. The first is the issue of integrity. The issue of integrity. Many years ago, Princeton Religious Review did a, uh, a large study of people's work ethics and what they found. And this, this had to do with things like calling in sick when you're not sick. Um, using uh, company, uh, you know, resources inappropriately, not just, you know, embezzlement, but, I mean, even small things like taking uh, uh, office supplies or doing things like that or all all kinds of, it was a whole range of different things. And what they found was, one of the things that they found which was absolutely startling was they discovered when they did this study, they found that there was no discernible difference between workers who were attenders of church and workers who were not in terms of their work ethics. Now, I don't know about you, but that's startling information to me. If there is no discernible difference, then have we truly put off the old life and put on the new life? Because if we have put off the old life and we've put on the new life, then that needs to be expressed and reflected. If we're going to reproduce the likeness of the family of God, then that, if, if there's one place that we spend you know more time than almost anywhere else in our life, other than perhaps in our homes, it's our workplaces, our school. And if, if we're no different, I mean, if we're cheating, if we're um, sort of deceitful, in in, in our work ethic, then how on earth are we going to show light in the midst of darkness? So if you're stealing, stop it, basically is what Paul says. And most of us would never think of stealing. We're not going to go, most of us in this room, you know, I'm not going to go up to Denise and just sort of while we're having our time here. Oh, I'm sorry, I got your purse, isn't that nice? It looks good on me. Yeah, thank you. I wear it well. Matches nice. All right. I'm manly enough to carry things like this. All right. There we go. But that stealing doesn't just mean picking somebody's pocket. There's all kinds of ways that that can happen. So the invitation that Paul says is now don't steal any longer live with integrity Exodus 20:15 last you know one of the 10 commandments here you shall not steal As it says in Romans 13, listen to this. This even puts it into greater context. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. By not stealing... It's not just simply about not stealing. It's actually about actively then loving your neighbor. All of those other things, the commandments that are given, are their vertical commandments between us and God, and then the horizontal commandments between us and one another, they all impact our relationships with other people. And a new work ethic, not stealing any longer, isn't only about not stealing. It's about actually then loving your neighbor by not stealing from them, loving your boss, loving your co-workers, loving your fellow students, fulfilling the law. So here's what my question for you this morning is. Does my work ethic reflect the kind of integrity that reveals the character of God to those in my sphere of influence? Does my work ethic, the way I do my work, does my work ethic the, the, the way in which, is, is it congruent with the nature of God, and does it reflect and reveal his character to those around me? This is an important question. Okay? Second is diligence. A second characteristic of a new worth ec- ethic is doing it with diligence, The word here, back in, when it says, but must work, the word there, in, back in Ephesians 4.28, literally means must work hard. So here's what I want to say to you about a new work ethic, a new work ethic. Ask yourself this question, does my work ethic reflect the reality that work is both good and strenuous, producing normal fatigue? but we're Americans. We're never supposed to get tired, right? Somehow we live under the illusion that work shouldn't tire us out. Actually, work that is done with diligence in a new work ethic, it is strenuous work that actually produces fatigue. And that's found in several different scriptures in the Bible. There is nothing wrong with hard work. And I'm afraid, you know, I mean, there's, there's, there's a concern, I think, shared widely that, that there is a, an allergy spreading in our culture and it's a, a work allergy. People are afraid of, of hard work. If at the end of the day you're tired, well, there you are. That's why you go to sleep and rest. That's the rhythm. Rest and work. So there's nothing wrong with work that produces fatigue. In fact, we're called to diligence in our work. It's good and strenuous. All right? Is this okay? All right. Three. Three. Useful work. Useful work. He says here in 428, I'm not pulling this out of nowhere, he says, doing something useful with their own hands. Now the Lord had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of. This is the purpose of work. Work, by the way, work was not cursed by God. That is a misconception and a misreading of Scripture. Work is not cursed by God. He said it's going to be hard because of the curse. But he didn't curse work itself. And so he puts us here, and and, and the question I want us to be asking ourselves is, how does my work add value into the world around me? And for some of us, we might have to work at that just to to contemplate and reflect because, let me tell you, this will energize your work in a brand new way when you begin to discover how does my work and what I do add value into the world around me. Now, for some of you, that's going to be fairly obvious, so I'll pick on a couple of you that I know well. So Marilyn Lauer is a wonderful physical therapist, okay? And her work and working with folks who are in the process of rehabilitation i mean i think it's a pretty clear direct sense for you as you're doing your work and as we've talked about that you understand that your work is adding value to those lives so that those people can then do their work and add further value into the world through their through their ability to now do what they couldn't do okay so that's a direct thing for somebody else it may be adding beauty so so Jeremy where are you Jeremy so Jeremy as a musician i mean i want Jeremy to play at my funeral okay because when he plays that violin i mean it's transcendent for me i mean honestly it brings me into a place that is so open before the lord so Jeremy you're adding value into the world through your work as you add beauty and grace, and goodness, and reflect the character of God. Thank you. All right? So, mom, who's home? Anybody, who's, who's the mom that's at home? All right? Yeah, thank you, Isaiah. Yes, I, I see that hand, yes. All right. For the mom who's at home, all right? Adding value into the world as you care for the children that God has given to you. For the dad who's at home. Adding value to the children and, and adding value to, in all kinds of ways. What, how does my work add value into the world? Think about that. Spend time reflecting on that. Your work is useful. Your work matters to God. And it's important in the world. Fourthly, last one, fourth characteristic, giving giving. What does it say again in 4.28? It says, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs. This is Paul writing or speaking again, Luke recording his words, and the needs of my companions. And everything I did, I showed you by this kind of hard work that we must help the weak Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So here's what I want us to understand. Through my work, am I contributing not only to meeting the needs of myself and my family, but others as well? In America, our whole, the, the old work ethic of our culture is the one at the end of, the, of their life with the most toys wins. honestly. Chris referenced it this morning. It's so true. The one with the most toys at the end, they're the one who wins. Well, let me tell you, they're not the one who wins. The one who has invested themselves and their resources and their life wisely in giving not only to others, but to the world at large. Those those are the ones who truly win. It's one of the beauties, again, of Mo and Marla and And their life and their story and the conversations I get to have with them about what they've done with their life and their golden years. Sewing themselves back out into the world, we honor that. We bless you. And whatever that looks like in your life and in their life and in our lives, but it's that conscious decision to give ourselves away. To others alright bringing it in for a landing how do we live a new work ethic I'm condensing things here for the sake of time but hopefully you're catching the message did you catch the first four things did you hear those integrity what's the second one diligence what was the third one Useful, and what's the fourth one? Giving. Giving. That's, that's work that's worthwhile. So let's go a little deeper for just a moment as we close. Colossians 3, 22-24, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. And do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. For whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord that you are serving. So I want you to to grab hold of these three things as we close. This is what it means to live out and live this new work ethic. You are working for a new boss, and his name is Jesus. In fact, here's a really interesting thing that I discovered as I'm, I'm studying is that the Hebrew word about and the, the, the Greek word liturgian, or which we get litur- liturgy, those words in the Hebrew and the Greek, the words can be translated both from the Hebrew and from the Greek, work or worship. The same word. So when we call, you know, in, in a liturgical church, We call, or the liturgy, you know, we're we're a, a low church as opposed to high church in terms of our liturgy, but we have a liturgy, we have a way that we go about, liturgy literally means the work of the people. It's the work of worship, well, the work of worship doesn't only happen in the two hours that you're present here on Sunday morning, the work of worship happens in the rest of the 166 hours as well of your life. So somehow we have to stop compartmentalizing between Sunday and Monday and build that bridge to recognize that whatever it is that we're doing that's useful work for him, that we're doing diligently and with integrity to give, all of that is for the Lord. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through him. Everything that you're doing, whatever it is, Many of you work in, in healthcare field. When you, are, when you are lovingly caring for someone who no longer can carry, care for themselves, when you are changing a bedpan or you're changing soiled sheets or you're doing whatever, you are doing it not for them or for the paycheck or for the boss. You're doing it for Jesus. And your work is worthwhile. It has value. If you're driving a truck, if you're driving a bus, if you're in a classroom, if you're uh, working with your hands, if you're creating beauty, whatever it is that you are doing, do it unto the Lord. Work with a new standard, holiness. I love this. Again, Paul says, we work hard with our own hands. When we're cursed, we bless. When we're persecuted, we endure it. When we're slandered, we answer kindly. We're working hard. There's a, there's a wholeness, a holiness. Our work is holy before the Lord. We we again we compartmentalize between sacred and secular, but God doesn't compartmentalize. He says what you are doing is holy first because I'm your boss and secondly because of what it is that you're doing into the world. I've told this story before. Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher, when a, there was a maid who 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 came who wanted to become a member of the church and she had to go before the elders of the church in order to pass the test whether she was truly a believer or not. And they asked her, what proof do you have that you truly have been converted? And her answer was this. This is a true story. She said, well, before I came to Jesus, when I would sweep up in my my employer's home, when I'd sweep things up, I would take the dirt that I was sweeping up and I would simply sweep it under the rug, I don't do that anymore. And Charles Spurgeon said, it's enough. She has displayed the fruit of conversion. That's what it means to work with a new standard. And finally, we're working for a new paycheck and that paycheck is called content. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, this is what I observe to be good, that it is appropriate for a person to eat, to drink, and to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given them, for that's their lot. Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift of God. They seldom reflect on the days of their life because God keeps them occupied with gladness of heart. I want to be occupied with gladness of heart. And I confess it's hard. And it's hard in this culture because we live in a culture of discontentment. That's what marketing is about, to make you discontent with what you have. But the call, the invitation this morning is to begin to work for a new paycheck, not simply what you get on Friday at the end of your work week, but in your spirit and in your heart to begin to experience true contentment in the Lord. Okay? Does that sound all right? Anybody else? I'd like to have that. All right, worship team, come on up. I'm going to do a change up on you. We're going to do the song that we began this service with. It's called Build Your Kingdom Here. And this is going to be our invitation this morning from the Lord, or our our, our declaration this morning. As we go out from this place today into your Monday and Tuesday and the rest of the days of your week, the invitation of the Lord is that He wants to build His church and He builds it with and through us. He's building it, but we're participating with Him wherever it is that we are. Wherever we have been called, whatever it is that our job and labor is, we are doing it as unto the Lord with holiness and with a heart of contentment. So I don't know about you, but I want to begin to to live out this new work ethic. Next week, we're going to continue to press out. We're going to be talking about having a new attitude and going to AA and getting an attitude adjustment. All right? But this morning, I just want to press into this as we close. So if you stand with me. And we're going to sing this as our prayer this morning. Come, set your rule and reign in our hearts again. Increase in us, we pray. All right? Let's make this our prayer this morning. And let's declare it together, and then I will do a benediction. But let's sing it out unto the Lord. And now just open your hands to receive the benediction. Paul said this to Thessalonica church. Therefore, we pray always for you that God would count you worthy of this calling, fulfilling all the good pleasures of his goodness and the work of faith and power, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and in you him, according to the grace of our God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray now that the Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who has loved us and has given us everlasting consolation and hope by grace. Comfort your hearts and establish you in every good work. And all God's people said, amen. Amen.